The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Nebraska Preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. Not just saying it, one of my favorite times of the week, getting to talk nothing but high school hoops. Get my man Jacob Padilla. I am old DB. We are back again. And uh, this is, whew. now we're not bound by time because it's a podcast and we can do kind of whatever we want to. We like to stay around that 30 minute window. We have a lot going on to get in to 30 minutes with a crack statistician like yourself and we got to cover a lot of hoops this week man so i'm pretty pumped yeah it was an exciting week i gotta go i gotta check out three games in person and another one uh, on the stream so uh managed to squeeze in quite a bit this last week how you feeling otherwise as i take my my nice sip of golly that tastes like old ice that's okay. I'm just thinking out loud. I was having a moment here at the old Herdot facility where they have arguably one of the best break rooms for sure on this side of town. Like, what isn't in there? I actually have not been back there. Uh, you uh-huh. drop in and uh, head on out. So. Well, you, yeah, well, you know, so we, we don't have a real job like me. <laughs> you just kind of have free time to loiter. So I just kind of hang around the break room and see what I can see. But uh, fantastic week, man. I. Where do you want to start? I mean, plenty of good games, a few barometer games, some upsets, some um, uh, revenge is a dish best served with a bucket. We saw some teams go back and make amends for some, you know, pious Northeast. Yeah, pious turns that one. Pious turns around. Well, let's start there. Uh, You know, because I think we both like Northeast. Yeah. Right. The. Again, we talked about before, but the thing about them is they're so solid and balanced. They go about seven deep, and um, any of those seven guys, I think all seven of those guys have scored double digits at least once this season. A mm-hmm. um, few of them have led them in scoring, so it could be it's a different guy on any given day. But Pius, man, that was one of the better games I think they've played so far this year, um, pulling that thing out by 10. And what's made Northeast so good this year is the, the balance is one thing on offense, but it's been their defense. They were averaging, uh, allowing 50 points a game, basically, um, the fruit, the, during their 10-0 start. They gave up 46 in the second half against Pius, yeah. and that's kind of what ended up uh, being their downfall because they just couldn't quite keep up offensively. They didn't have that one guy that could step up, whereas Jack Hastreiter and Sam Hastreiter, both in the second half, were, I mean, they combined for 29 of those 46 in the second half. 
Um, and they, they were the difference. They had two guys that could step up and make some big plays, and Northeast just couldn't quite get there. You, do you feel comfortable saying that the offense has to run through Sam? Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. Like, Jack, he had a really quiet uh, first half. He only scored two points from the free throw line, missed both his shots. When he got going in the second half, it was playing off of Sam. I mean, he knocked down um, 10 points in the third quarter alone. Um, that kind of turned the thing around. And uh, two of those were catch-and-shoot threes from his brother. So, And then in the fourth quarter, Sam had three buckets uh, all in the paint when they needed um, to kind of hold off the comeback attempt. So I, that definitely, for me, has to be the way they play, um, kind of inside out uh, with how efficient Sam's been. Even in... Uh, the, the, uh, earlier in the week, or on Friday, actually, they they lost us sixty, I think sixty six, sixty four, mm-hmm. um, to uh, Lincoln Southwest in another battle of um, those are kind of the three at, at the top of, of Lincoln right now, um, kind of a little round robin there, and uh, Sam had twenty four in that one, and Jack actually played well as well. Um, they just didn't quite, they didn't get the guard play, and the, I think the difference in that Northeast game was. Uh, Jackson Kessler stepped up, scored 12 points, knocked down uh, some big shots. Um, so if they can play through Sam and then get enough out of either Bohr or, or Kessler in the backcourt, um, then they're going to be pretty tough. And they dominated the glass. It was, they, they out-rebounded them by 20. Brady Christensen had as many rebounds himself as the entire Northeast team. So they gave himself extra chances uh, and took advantage of those. And, so, and, you, and you mentioned Southwest, who um, just has the two losses to prep and to Northeast, do you feel you need another couple of weeks? You, you call it round robin. I kind of like that. It, it'll sort itself out, but there won't be a lot of opportunities um, once you get past the regular season schedule for them to to pit one against the other. Do you feel comfortable having a pecking order in Lincoln yet? No, I, I have not yet seen Southwest. Uh, I've seen Pius a few times now. I've seen Northeast a, a few times as well. And again, I've seen both those teams win that battle, and we won't get a, a third matchup unless they see each other in the postseason. So, um, yeah, Southwest is the last one that I have to see. Uh, I know uh, Ryland Smith had had a pretty good week, scored forty one points in in their in their two wins, um, but that's the team that I've got to see. But I, I I think they're probably all in that same little cluster right there, in that um, kind of like that five through five through eight range. Um, yeah, because yeah. in the coaches' poll, uh, they're back to back. Yeah, six, seven, six, seven, eight. South, yep. Southwest six, Northeast seven, and, and Pius, Pius is eight. eight. So yeah, right in that range. So and it's interesting, right? Because you know people always talk about you know Metro versus you know Lincoln or whatever, and the 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 balance. If you talk, you know, top three or four teams in Lincoln, top three or four teams in the Metro. Not a not a ton of difference. Maybe not as good at the top in terms of those individual teams, but the depth. I don't, right now, I don't think Lincoln has to really take a back seat. No, again, that's three three of the top eight, um, and obviously we know kind of the, the top three, and we'll talk about uh, who appears to be number three right now, just based on the way they're playing out of that group. Um, but Omaha Central is kind of coming on strong. Give them a I, legit number four. I, I would not, for as many questions as they have on where points are going to come from from somebody not named Dawson or Davis, 
I still wouldn't want to play Central. Yeah, and then after that, uh, we know how banged up Prep's been. They, they got by um, two wins um, this past week against Omaha South and Millard South. A little bit of a breakout for Jungers. Yeah. Well, I two, felt like it was very good against Millard South. And that's that they need him to be. He's yeah. got to be that uh, – your Division One player, he's got to be that consistent threat. It's got to be 20 a game for that team, especially with the guys that they're missing. They need – uh, him and Martel Evans both to be consistent performers and then get just enough out of the rest of the uh, the guys. But defensively, I mean, uh, under they gave up less than 40 against South, um, gave up 55 against Millard South, and that most of that was on <laughs> Will Cooper just raining threes. Uh, I think That's he was good seven for 10. Um, but yeah, so uh, beyond that, then I, I think you can, it's, I, they got Gretna and Elkhorn South at nine and ten in the coaches' poll, but I feel like that those nine and ten spots are going to be kind of a rotating group. Just depends on who who gets a win that week. Um, whereas I think that top eight is pretty solidified uh, right now, and three of those teams are Lincoln. You could make the case, and and they were a little sluggish against North Star. And I talked to Coach Feekin on Saturday, and he he was a little concerned about managing the emotions, the emotions coming off the Bellevue West win, but you could make the case outside of West side of teams in the top 10. They, they may have two of the better wins against prep and Bellevue West, two teams that they handled with relative ease. Yeah. And kind of weird to say that out loud, right? But neither game was ever really in doubt. And we, we knew they had some talent coming in. We were wondering, were they ready to make the leap? And it, it seems like they're, capable of making that leap on any given day, even if they haven't fully uh, gotten there this year. And that's the case when you're playing a bunch of sophomores. Um, They're probably not going to be as consistent as teams that are more upperclassmen heavy. Uh, But we know that they're certainly capable and you've got all those, those young perimeter players. And then Grant Jansen is a load inside. And we we mentioned that big 60, 49. He really bothered. He really bothered William Kyle. Yeah. Just kind of stayed connected, constantly touching him, did not allow any of the spin backs to the power. He just, he was tough, man. He, yeah. he touched Kyle the third the majority of the night, yeah. which is kind of how Gretna played that whole game. And he's uh, undersized height wise, but uh, he's as strong as, and as physical as any post you're going to find. Uh, and he does such a good job of carving out space, grabbing offensive rebounds. Um, if if you kind of fall asleep on him, you're going to find yourself out of position in a hurry, even if you were in, in good position to start. So you've got to work on every every time a shot goes up uh, against him. And I, I think William finished with four points in that game. And uh, we talked about kind of uh, the way that Westside beat um, uh, Bellevue Bellevue West in the, in the Metro final. And it basically was take shut everybody else down, get physical, don't let anybody else get going. And in that game... Um, uh, uh, Josiah Dotzler ha- had uh, 19 points, Evan Inselman at 13, and then nobody else had more than seven. Um, so y- y- they really shut down everybody else. Actually, had the other had, uh, Evan Inselman or uh, Eldon Turner with 10, uh, Jane Jackson with six, and William Kai with four. That was it. Nobody else scored. Uh, yes. The rest of the team was 0 for 13 from the field. See, the in the blueprint, I think, you know, Coach Woodard will have those guys at some point kind of working through this, but we've seen when Bellevue West has struggled, it is it's physicality around the perimeter, whether it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, the touching and staying close and connected, you know, with those wings and kind of some of the more slight guards 
teams just have gotten physical with Bellevue West, and I think it's bothered them a little bit to to some degree in, in their two losses. It both games were it was in a similar physical fashion. Yeah, and I mean Bellevue West, a, a lot of that supporting cast it, are more shooters than than playmakers. That's and you call. look at they shot the ball well. So we uh, forgot to mention they started off the week with a, a, a nice win uh, against Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, really good. Uh, 73-66 at the Thunderdome. And they, they did a great job of kind of keeping um, Josh Dix in check. He, he's finished with 23, but it took him 21 shots. The, the jumper just wasn't falling. Uh, but he made a lot of plays. They just um, were able to kind of take control of that game and hold on. Uh, and then they and I mean, the story of the game was Jaden Jackson uh, hit four, went four four from three in the third quarter um, when they kind of surged ahead and took control of that game. And he finished with, with 21 on six of seven shooting, hit five threes. And very, then, very streaky. Yeah. And then after they after the loss to Gretna, they bounced back 94 64 win against uh, a scrappy Papio South team. And they were 16 of 26 from three in that game. So that. That supporting cast is going to be a little up and down just based on uh, the shooting variance. But and when they're firing, they can they can still uh, put points on you in a hurry. It's just they, they got to get uh, Josiah Doser. They got to get William Kyle. Those guys have to be consistent and provide kind of those creation buckets, uh, those inside points to, to balance out that perimeter shooting. I really liked I thought that was a good win against Papio South. Um, and I know that Kircher and, and, and Ball are, are, are younger and. That's a promising backcourt. We know about Daniel Brokale. He had 33 in that game. <laughs> yeah. who And he's a handful. He's yeah. a big, strong guard and uh, does a lot of things well for them. That one, listen, I, and, I, and, and I'm not, not vaulting Papio South into any sort of status. I felt like for what happened against Gretna, what I feel like Papio South is capable of, I, I know they're young in some spots, that was a really good performance from Bellevue West. It, you're not, you're not going to just get out of bed and score 90-some-odd points in a high school basketball game in regulation. And there's something to be said for that against a talented team. Usually scoring 64 points doesn't get you beat by 30. Yeah, I mean, just just think about that for a second. You scored 64 points, <laughs> and you got beat by 30. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good performance from Bellevue West. And and shows what they're capable of. So like they're by no means are they out of this thing. They're a clear top three team. Uh, just right now, I think Westside obviously and Miller North uh is playing a little bit better. You, you talk about Miller North, they went and they they beat Abraham Lincoln by nineteen. Um and uh Jason Green just another do it all performance, uh twenty points, twelve boards. Five assists, three blocks, two steals, just kind of stuff in the stat sheet. They had three others in double figures. So um, they're playing really well right now. The the difference, I think, and it may be a little early, but if you ask me to like, okay, hey, so what's the difference? Because I've seen the top three quite a bit. And I think the difference between, and we'll see which one kind of manifests itself later on. But the difference right now between Bellevue West and Millard North, Bellevue West is probably, the, they're the more skilled team. Better shooters, basketball skill, greater at, at Bellevue. The difference in what makes Millard North really difficult, they can play with physicality. They have, they have good length. Harmon is tough. Jason Green is kind of the unicorn. He's he's the one piece that 
that nobody else has. So there's that. I, I think the physicality is the difference in those two teams, if you ask me. And and Westside is the team that, although they're small in stature for the most part, they really get after you and dog you defensively. Yeah, and Miller North, I mean, their advantage, they have the one surefire high major player in the Metro right now yeah. in Jason Green. And uh, from what I, I didn't get to see that one, I had to make a choice and uh, – I, I, I'm glad that at the game that I chose to go to, once we get into Class B, we can talk about it. But um, from what I heard, Jason just kind of took that game over and was yeah. special and turned that thing into uh, an easy win for, for Miller North. And, I mean, and again, he kept a minute against Westside. Yeah, he he almost single-handedly yeah. got it done against Westside. I mean, Jason, they, they just, there's, just no real, there's just no real answer for him. Yeah. It's it's pretty much when and if he gets ready. Yeah, so pretty standard week for Miller North. And then we mentioned Central uh, scored uh, 190 points in two games against Burke and Bryan. And uh, P.J. Davis scored 60 of them, uh, scored 25, and then uh, followed up with a career high 35. Yeah. So, it, man, if he if he's going a little bit more, because uh, I think Jay Dawson had a good game in the first um, one, second one struggled a little bit more, but um, didn't matter because, again, P.J. Davis, the way he's playing, and that's that's what gave them a shot, um, kind of changed things in, in the Metro tournament and gave them a shot um, there in um, down in, in that semifinal. I, I've talked about this before with Dawson because I he's got the full complement in his bag. He's, he's a three-level scorer. Uh, he handles it well. Again, but I told you this. He reminds me a little bit of um, Kobe Bryant and the term in terms of his shooting percentage is a direct correlation of the degree of difficulty of shots he takes because he's a good shooter. But sometimes, you know, with with taking tough shots, it affects the field goal percentage. I think he's a much better shooter sometimes than the statistics indicate. It's just sometimes he just takes tough shots. Yeah. Um, and he's capable if he doesn't settle. There's not very many spots on the floor he can't get to, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> you would agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. he, he can get to just about any spot on the floor he wants to when he wants to. It's yeah. just what he what he's what he settles for. Yep, um, for sure. And that that'll be the story all season long with them. But they did get more contributions from others in that game. I think they had uh, like five guys in double figures in, yeah. in one of those games. Um, and uh, I think they're starting get a little bit deeper now they had uh, they played more guys than yeah. they did in the metro tournament had um you get a few guys back that's that, that might have been out of the the lineup that uh, are now available and that's actually going to be the case for a lot of teams um as we uh, kind of the second semester starts now mm-hmm. where you've got the 90 days running out for a lot of teams some will change belly west we'll see how jacob a rope kind of changes their lineup um because obviously they've got the 10 deep with robbie uh, robbie garcia playing that backup five now uh, it sounds like Jacob's just been dominating at the JV level, so it uh, sounds like he's ready. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that lineup. So, so th- I, I think the thing with them going forward is how do they handle their roles? Yeah. Right? You know, because, you know, playing 14, 15 minutes a night can be tough on some guys, but with with Turner and Stuvi and, and Jaden Jackson and Garcia and, you know, Cassio Jensen um, – Feeling like you don't have to come in and and get yours, kind of just kind of settle in. But it's easy for us to say that because we're sitting here. But you need to kind of get in the flow of a game, right? It's that's a lot of bodies, right? We didn't even mention Barnett and Mitchell and 
I mean, it's it's a lot of guys for that T-Bird bunch. Yep. Um, and another team that um, had already got a guy back that wasn't playing in the first semester is Omaha South. And I, I got back from my game on Friday or on Saturday, rather, um, and got a text about like 1025 from a friend. It's like, hey, Elkhorn South, Omaha South going to fifth overtime. I'm like, what? Yeah. 10.30 and they're still playing still basketball? Playing. How, how is that possible? It wasn't but, a Friday night football game where they threw the ball 67 <laughs> times and it goes past 10. It was legit. It was 106 to 102. Uh, over, five overtime win for Elkhorn South at Omaha South. And um, I believe Alec Noonan led the, the storm with 33. 33. He's a guy I've been talking about for a while now. Yeah, and and uh, for South, uh, JoJo Ford is playing now. Um, he's a guy that we, we talked about during the summer as a, a transfer there that uh, along with Teandre Perkins could, could really help that team. And, and I think he had quiet 30. Yeah. Yeah. He had 30 in, in that one as well. Is there a quiet 30? <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, anytime you lose and it's probably yeah, going to be a little bit quieter. That's good. Than, Thank you for bailing me. I appreciate that. <laughs> People say, well, I score 30 and it's quiet. Well, I mean, you know, five periods and five extra periods and it was in a loss. So I, that's, it kind of gets overshadowed, but I mean, welcome to the Metro. <laughs> yep. Um, so th- that that team will be a little bit different now with Ford. There are a few other guys kind of throughout the state. Um, I know uh, Andy Poss, St. Paul transfer at Grand Island, I think will help them quite a bit. Yeah, he, and, and Isaac Trout needs some help. Yeah, it, scoring is tough to come they, by for them. They need somebody in the backcourt that consistently create. Uh, they cannot rely on Isaac to do everything. And Poss is probably their best offensive guard. Um, so I, I think that that'll help them uh, a little bit. And there are a few other guys um, that that all kind of help teams that are becoming eligible now. Most impressive one of the week is either Miller North over AL in impressive fashion or Gretna Bellevue West. Is that safe? Yeah, I, those are kind of the the two most notable. That ones. was pretty dominating fashion, in which the Mustangs got it yeah, done, especially following up uh, the 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 Bellevue West win uh, to kind of almost uh, they won by seven. Uh, Miller North stretched it out one by nineteen. Um, so I, I think that definitely uh, is up there. And like you said, Gretna, anytime you, you can knock off a team like Bellevue West, uh, that's pretty impressive. So, And I know we, I kind of glossed over it early on. And, and listen, they struggled a little bit with, with North Star the following night, did Gretna. But when you're a young team like that, managing your emotions and still being able to win, can't underappreciate that. Yeah. that. That's a fantastic job as we jump over to B. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll start with uh, my game uh, on Friday, uh, the one versus two showdown. I was, I was very jealous getting boy. my getting my minute-to-minute updates. Yeah. There was a stretch, JP, where we were yelling back and forth what was going on <laughs> in the Ron Cali omaha Scott <laughs> game. Sharpie, we were just going, you know, yelling the score back and forth, and then somebody would chime in with, hey, I know, by the way, Gretna's winning too. And I was just like, oh, we must be going back and forth pretty loud yeah. between the <laughs> Scott and Ron Collie game for the random guy to tell me about Gretna and Bellevue West over my right shoulder. Fantastic atmosphere. Oh, it was phenomenal. Uh, I, loudest I have heard of Jim all year down the stretch of that game um, when – uh, James Inafu had a chance at the free throw line to to hit a big shot, and the place just went nuts. Like everybody stomping, like the, the gym was shaking. It was mm. so loud in there, and they and, pack them in. Yeah, and then uh, got even louder when they got a big steal and got a ch- and went down and, and uh, got fouled uh, to tie it, um, split the free throws uh, to tie the game and send it overtime. So um, it just phenomenal. It was packed. Um, let me stop. Let me stop you real quick. Did you feel like? 
Ron Colley missed their opportunity to stretch it when it was just one point at the half. Yeah, a little bit. Um, like, what did you feel real time? Yeah, well, yeah. So, Scott kind of, they, they uh, Scott got going in third quarter and really stretched that thing out. Uh, I, I was, act, uh, so they led by five, I believe, going into the fourth And they quarter. started the third quarter on a 10-3 to three run, right? Yeah, 7-0 se- right out the gates, push that thing to 12. You feel like, oh, it, this thing's over. Credit to Roncalli and their resiliency for fighting back. There were three different times down the stretch where a player dove on a, a loose ball to force a turnover and get Roncalli the possession back. Um, two of them uh, were Brent Hellier. Um, and so um, they, they, they just refused to quit. Um, but they just kind of it, it slipped away from them in, in overtime. And they were with it right down the, the final possession. Uh, but down uh down three or, or down two rather uh press break they just kind of broke over it over the, the top. top and james ninifu took it down sealed that thing with the dunk for a 65 61 win and ninifu was fantastic uh finished with 25 and 10 um had, had some big assists in the fourth quarter uh in the fourth quarter to jake brack um who finished with 20 points himself um and the the thing is it does feel like a huge missed opportunity for Ron Colley because one, it's in their place. And two, Scott uh, was shorthanded. They were missing two of their projected starting five heading into the year. Uh, Mitch Scholl hurt his knee on the first practice and of the good, season. Good, good, big buddy. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't even realize they were playing without him because I hadn't seen them before this game. And then um, Grant Dvorak missed the game. He was six. So um, that, those are two of uh, your projected top five there and Scott still to be able to go into that environment and pull out that win um, says a lot about where they stand in class B right now. How comfortable are you saying? Cause I do think I kind of slid Ron Colley up into that upper echelon. We'd had Scott kind of slated by themselves that two of the top three players in B both share the same namesake in Jake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they, they both uh, had pretty good games. Although, um, Scott did a great job of holding Jake Orr in check through um, early on in the game. And foul trouble didn't yeah. help. And he finished with 17 points, but it forced and they forced him into 17 shots to get there. And that's what uh, Scott was so good defensively, and particularly at the rim. There were a lot of hard contested shots over the top. Like uh, Orr wasn't getting anything easy. A few of those bucks he hit were like real tough, partially due jumpers. to the other Jake, right? Yeah. That we're talking about. Yeah, um, with the size inside there. Um, uh, Bracco and vertical and just those guards kind of being physical on the perimeter and doing a great job. Ninifu's really long. Um, so th- they had, uh, they, they really forced Ron Colley into some tough shots and um, Austin Schwartz had a, a huge game. Uh, they really led him with 18 and he made some big plays down the stretch. And, and Brady McGill is a sophomore to watch in class. He's pretty B. quiet. And yeah. flies under the radar with kind of this, this heralded sophomore class, but he he's in a discussion. Yeah, and finished with 13 with three of five from three, knocked down a huge one in the fourth quarter. So, um, yeah, I think Ron Colley definitely showed that they belong right right at the top of B along with Scott. But again, Scott, um, 10-0 right now. Um, they, they certainly look the part as a team that will go wire to wire as a favorite in Class B. So a little bit of a, a, t- a tough stretch coming up here for um, you know teams like Platteview, who uh, their schedule – I mean, it is really starting to kind of. <laughs> they got two tough ones this week with with Ashton Greenwood and 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 McCook. 
I know they dropped a little bit in the coaches' rankings as they sit at eight and three. Um, yeah, behind probably Beatrice and Bennington right now. Uh, yeah, and that's they lost back to back games against Ron Colley and Bennington. Um, and they got Wahoo on Friday this next week, too. So that's uh, in addition to that Ashton Greenwood. So two of the best in C1. But um, yeah, Platteview's struggling a little bit. And Bennington, they're coming on strong. We weren't stay quite on. sure. Yes, yeah, they um, I wasn't sure on them yeah. either, right? And 72 60 win uh, against a, an improved Ralston team, uh, 56 50 win uh, against Platteview, and then a 65 45 win against Blair. And they basically they've gotten a bunch of different guys uh, in, uh, making an impact. It's their balance, their depth uh, has been key right now. Dylan Kesart's a huge body inside. He gave Ron Col- or uh, gave Platteview problems. They just don't have any. They don't have any size. No. Um, yeah, Dayton Swanson's the only guy that's over like six foot there, really. And um, he, I mean, you get it in foul trouble, then they really have nobody off the bench um, that can kind of match up with some bigger bodies. Um, I mean. Milliken's their best rebounder and their best rim protector, and um, he's a guard. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Austin Holtz, we know he can go off. He was uh, at twenty against Boston, fourteen against Blair. Um, yeah, Trey Bird uh, had, had a good week. Um, he had sixteen, fourteen, and sixteen. Uh, so has so many birds associated <laughs> with Bennington. Yep, that's. <laughs> He's like a birds. Birds of a feather seem to flock together in that part of the in that part yeah. of town. Tra- Trey's, I think, a little bit better basketball player than his brother was, but uh, um, he uh, he's he's fun to watch too. He can really shoot the ball, long, active. So they they've got a lot of guys that can hurt you. Um, Gunner Lime coming off the bench as a sophomore. It's kind of, kind of plays as an undersized big. Just works that baseline really well. Can finish, finds his way, head fakes and drives and stuff. So they they've got a they've got a lot of guys that, that can make an impact. And they're uh, they got a big one against uh, Waverly coming up on Friday this next week to kind of continue this this stretch of proving hey we're right up there at the top of B as well. And quietly with just the two losses probably have to give a little more respect to Beatrice and say what you want to about, you know, North Platte and, and, and York. Uh, there's Beatrice sitting right there at, at, at eight and two and, and both those losses, which were to Scud and Elkhorn, if there's good losses, yeah. those are a couple of them. And they continue to grind out wins like two point win against York, a uh, four point win against Seward last week to improve. So they're, they're in there at number three still in, in the coaches poll. And at number five is a team that we talked about last week and then turned around and immediately lost uh, later that we, day. We jinxed them. Um, but Scott's Scott left making yeah. a trip, uh, rare trip uh, all the way to the Metro or uh, to the Lincoln at least and took on Waverly uh, on Monday, um, lost that one 69 58. And then turned around and beat Norris sixty-one fifty-six the next day. And I was watching that one, and Austin Thine was the best player on the court, and that ended up being a difference in that one. Um, he had twenty-three points, six assists, six boards, uh, made some huge plays in the second half to hold on. So uh, I, I still like Scott's Bluff, kind of in that top five mix, that top five, six, seven. Uh, I think kind of that top seven is maybe solidifying a little bit where when you include Platteview and Waverly uh, as kind of the the other teams rounding out the top seven in the coaches' poll. And I think those teams definitely look the part and are starting to play that way. I know where I'll be tomorrow night, and it's in Ashland. But safe to say um, the, the best matchups of the week are out of the Metro, or is there something you like in the Metro? Yeah, th- those are pretty good ones. Um, fortunately, uh, we've got Nebraska's playing uh, Tuesday and Thursday this yeah. week, so that takes me out entirely of midweek high school games. 
I'll, I'll try to hit up a couple down in Lincoln on, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, that, that's a huge one. That Ashram Greenwood, Platteview one. Again, Platteview, Wahoo, that's a fun one. Um, there, there's some other big ones that we'll get a chance to talk about next week. And uh, quickly in C1, we talk about Ashram Greenwood. Big one uh, against Fort Calhoun, won that one. And Carney Catholic went down and knocked off uh, Grand Island Central Catholic, knocked, uh, gave them their first loss in the season. So you just have this C1 not so weird, um, and, you know, oh, by the way, Carney Catholic will be there in March when it counts. 11 1, only losses against Scott. <laughs> not bad, right? Yeah. On the old resume. Whew, the fastest 31 minutes in podcast history. We got it all in. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. We'll be back next week with Nebraska Preps postgame. A Huda Media Production.